It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track podcast, recapping Friday's action from the U.S. Olympic trials. I'm Kevin Sully. He's Gordon Mack. And in honor of today's action, we're going to restart the beginning of the show four to five times due to overly sensitive blocks. Um, just to get things, make sure the start is perfect before we, before we can proceed on to the rest of the show. So, Gordon, can you do another intro for me, please? Because that one wasn't good enough. That was a great intro. Why are we doing it again? <laughs> what? I'm confused. Uh, oh, that's some starter humor at the top, Gordon. Oh. That's some there were a lot of false starts <laughs> in the high hurdles, and there were a lot of false starts in the women's low hurdles. We thought they got yes. it figured out after the high hurdles. You feel bad for the athletes out there again and again and again. There was only one DQ total after nine false starts. It was uh, something that you see often in track meets, but you don't expect to see it at the the biggest stage. Um, and we did. It's true. We did see, I mean, what was the reason? I mean, are they going to come out? The, I don't think they're ever going to come out the reason. Maybe they'll say it on the broadcast tomorrow, but you think that like they would recognize like this, they would switch out the blocks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are the odds that the blocks that were causing the malfunction in that short hurdles, also the ones in the 400? I don't know. You just think, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes the good old pen and paper, you know, you get your little stick with your number on it, like in cross country style. Maybe we should start timing meets like that. None of this automatic digital block shit that we do. Yeah. Back to the old school days, you know. Live by technology, die by technology. Thanks everybody for joining us live on YouTube. If you got questions, put them in the chat as we go through today's show. We will try to get to them. We're going to start first with the men's steeple final. We'll talk about. The men's 1500, of course, with the Centro look to Cole Hawker. Gordon will break down all the qualifying scenarios. We'll talk about uh, Gabby Thomas and Jenna Prandini lighting a match in that women's 200. Arian Knighton breaking a Noah Lyles record in a race with Noah Lyles. And we'll talk about some hurdle prelims as well, though. Let's kick it off, though, Gordon, with the steeple chase. 
Men's final today, the team is Hillary Bohr, Bernard Keeter, and Mason Furlick. What do you think of that final today? Uh, I mean, it's kind of a little bit – No, it's kind of similar to that women's race, right, where you kind of had the obvious top two eventually late in the race with mm-hmm. Keeter and Bohr, similar to Coburn and Frerichs, and then it was a battle for third, and Furlick, Lichklap, uh, Michalski, Updike, Cabral was somewhat in there a bit. Mm-hmm. We're kind of battling for that third spot. And you can just tell, man, the steeple, it's all about that final 130-some meters, 150 meters from the water pit to the finish line. That's where all of the teams are either made or lost, one keep people qualifying or not qualifying. It's all in that final 150. You saw that with Furlick. He was neck and neck with two other guys, and as soon as – hit that final water jump, he was free. And Hillary Bohr making the team once again, back-to-back Olympic uh, qualification. I was, I was going to say champion. Back-to-back Olympic teams, uh, pretty cool for Bohr. And his teammate, Bernard Ketter, who has had a great build-up to this moment, kind of was you know a solid guy in college at Texas Tech, wasn't really doing much. And then slowly he got fourth in 2019 and now here getting second at the Olympic trials, a good uh, way for Keeter to kind of, you know, capsule his journey to gold, as Tracktown USA says, hashtag journey to gold. <laughs> and Furlick gets that final spot, fifth in 2019 as well, ninth in 2017, and then fifth at the 16 trials. So he's been close a couple times. And I thought going into the race, because of Furlick's 1500 meter speed, he just needed to be close in that last hundred. And that's, exactly what happened he was right there but there was the guys on his his back but they were not able to to mount a charge once Furlick went you know he closed that gap I think Keeter was really comfortable he's celebrating pretty early I think he had latched on to Bohr and was was pretty confident I have two though takeaways from this race as it pertains to Evan Jaeger who's not actually in the race but it's just interesting because you see these guys fourth and fifth the last time this race was run for a berth on a U.S. team and right there, you see the impact. Obviously, Jager wasn't there in 19, but you see an impact of some of these uh, injuries and or retirements as well, too, like we saw with Andy Bear. Like some spots opened up and they were able to take advantage of. The other Jager takeaway is I think we assume everybody who had his 5K pedigree is going to become Evan Jager. And I'm referring, of course, to Sean McGordy. It's like it was an easy comparison to make. A guy makes a late transition to the steeplechase from running flat events. And you think, okay, just plug and play. He's going to be awesome. Had a great debut, just like Jager did back in 2012. But he stayed about the same, we could say, as he did from his debut, which just shows it's hard. Like Jager was an outlier. You can't expect everybody to make that transition into the steeple. It's its own animal. It's an entirely different challenge. And yeah, having that flat speed helps. But, you know, running sub 8, 15, running 810 or as in Jager's case, almost breaking eight flat. That takes a rare talent. Yeah. You got to be good at the 5k, but you also have to have these obviously skills that play well out in the, in the 5k or in the 3k steeple. Cause I think going in, you and I both thought McGordy, 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 we set it after his first race. So I set it after his second race. The prelim was a weird situation. So you kind of put that aside and he closed so well there. We thought he'd be fine, but uh, he finishes seventh in this race. Yeah. Do you think this is his future uh, for McGordy? Do you think he's going to be going all in on the steeple in 2022? 
Or you think you'll have like a Josh Thompson type revelation and be like, hey, abandon the steeple. Let's go back into the 15 and, and try to make teams that way. And for McGordy, I guess like, hey, it's become a 5'10 guy. I mean, yeah, yeah do you think it's funny you, you abandon ship now or do you keep going? I think you give it a few more. You give it a few more because just because he didn't take to it right away doesn't mean he's he's never going to take to it. And he's got opportunities next year early in this or even the rest of this season right now he's not on the team but you think he'd be fast enough to get into some higher profile steeples maybe he can give it a shot but yeah you bring up thompson it's funny okay this analog to jager doesn't work so let's just let's throw another bowerman person maybe he's not even jager maybe he's josh thompson the guy who was miscast in his role as steepler and then came back to be one of the best 1500 meter runners in the country you're right maybe but that maybe that's true maybe he's going to go back to the five and and find some more success there. Low 13s guy. I mean, do we think the US men's 5,000 right now is incredibly deep? Probably not. And he's he's training with a lot of the best guys in the event. So he'll have a good gauge on what he can do moving forward. But just it was just interesting to to look at his his arc because his arc in this steeple just started a couple months ago. But the three guys going to Tokyo, Bohr, Keeter, and Mason Furlick in that men's steeple, which was the only running event final of the, of the evening. We got a good, uh, this is a good gift here. Cause his, his Twitter handle is uh, Hey big bird. Uh, and there is coming off the last water pit. Yeah. He, you're right though. Like the guys who get momentum and the women who get momentum off that last water barrier versus the people who are stalling out. It's, it looks like one person's running downhill and one person's running uphill basically. That's a that's a terrifying gift. Now that I've watched it six times in a row, that's thing. That's a that's nightmare fuel right there. Yeah, imagine that happened in real life. Imagine being a kid and seeing that. Like, oh, not be going to PB watching PBS anymore since then. Anyway, <laughs> big ups to those three: Bohr, Ketter, and Furlick. But we had a lot of tro- We had a lot of prelims. Mm-hmm. More interesting prelims, I think, than yesterday's prelims. We got a little more people getting knocked out. Some. Notable names, qualifying, not qualifying. What what prelim do you want to talk about first? Let's start with the men's 15. First heat, get that out of the way first here. Engels had a really sneaky move there with 100 to go, getting around Holt there. Had to basically shrink himself in half and turn sideways to, to get through there. It was like he was like in a crowded men's room basically and didn't want to touch any walls or anybody, like the way he got through there with 100 to go. Nagus, Alexander, Sieti. Ribich qualify automatically and then Suleiman and Avila had to wait for heat two and we said yesterday death heat was in heat two yeah that's exactly and that's exactly uh how it played out now heat two didn't do themselves any favor Gordon because what did they go out at in heat two 207 you knew after, yeah you knew after a lap you you said to me they're only getting five they're only getting five in this heat and before we focus on the people up front the first person you noticed falling off was high schooler Hobbs Kessler yeah, uh, he said in his post-race interview that he kind of went to the straight to the back because you know he thought that maybe he was just thinking he wanted to be more conservative, not get boxed in. So he wanted to kind of make sure he had room to make a move when he needed to. But then yeah. with the, such a slow pace and being in the back and the ramp up of speed in the final 700 or 600 meters, he wasn't able just to close that gap because – when you're that far back and a move is made up front, it yeah. takes time for you to see the move. Like it's like traffic, right? Once 
the first car goes, even if you're five cars back, you don't get to go until, you know, five seconds after. And I think that could done him in. If he would have been more up front with like in the top three or four, when Central makes a move or whoever made the move, you're ready to go right away. But in this situation, I mean, he's young, right? It's literally a high schooler. Um, he it, he's shown that he can. He's shown that he has the talent. I think it's just you need to, you need to get your feet wet. You need to you need to get knocked around. You need to get knocked out in a second round to learn how to be prepared and become, you know, a dominant type talent. I mean, I think Central probably got knocked out. I mean, Central was probably running four ten in high school, but not, mm-hmm. I don't know, how fast did Central run in high school? What was he like in a mile? He was fat. Well, the, the, the difference yeah. is by the time Central made it to this sort of stage was 2011, and he was already the NCAA champion, and he had yeah. done rounds after rounds after yeah. rounds, and he had run dual meets. I think the 1500 is the hardest event to be a prodigy in because your race isn't just about you in the 1500. You can try to manage it, and you can try out all the cliches about just need to execute my race plan, but there's so much going on in a 1500 through the rounds and you need to react. It's not enough just to run your race. You need to be able to be flexible and you need to be able to draw on a little bit of experience to know, as you mentioned, when to move and when to sit back. So this is the toughest type of a race for a young person with no experience to wade into. And that's why I said a final would be success for Kessler. Just getting to the final yeah. would be success. I think getting to the second round is a, still a great outcome. He got one extra round of experience than he would if he went out um, yesterday. But it's just, it's not like the 400. It's not like the the 100. It's not like, it's not even like the five or the 10 because that you can latch on and the moves that are made aren't as sudden. You can take time, you can take a deep breath and adapt. So Hobbs Kessler got thrown into the deep end here again, and he's going to be back 334. You can do a lot with 334 once you start getting in those rounds and getting in those mucky technical races, tactical races, excuse me. I just want to correct myself, Centro, as we showed on the screen during your talk, he wasn't a 410 miler in high school. He was a 403 mile. mile. There you go. Yeah, so. He might stare at you. He might stare at you like he stared at Cole Hawker the last 50. I love that. Uh, I think that, I mean, Central, first of all, looks great. And if we were talking, about this event a couple months ago after he ran the 150, we would have been like, uh, we don't know about Central, but he looked great. Uh, Hawker obviously looked strong because Hawker's looked strong all season. I like that they looked at each other dead in the eyes for a moment and then they started smiling, but there was a beat of just stone cold, I'm not tired, are you tired? Right. And then they Elon, show the broke. picture. And then we got the we got the we got the smile going across their faces. I saw someone comparing it to the Bolt and DeGrasse picture from the from the Olympics. But this was this is setting up to be an amazing final because they both look so good. Um, I guess there's a little bit of a rivalry going back to the Your Move Central Central Instagram caption. Although I don't think Cole Hawker just got brought into that. It was some kid on the Oregon team who tagged him, and then. Uh, Central's response had more to do with Tier than it did with Hawker. I think he went out of his way to say Hawker, he likes Hawker. So I don't know if this is just friendly rivalry or this is uh, something more than that. But it certainly added some uh, intrigue to a semifinal heat. So now it's time to explain the men's 1500 meter final 
and who would go if they finished top three. So mm-hmm. as you know, you finish top three and you're in. But yeah. if you don't have the standard, you need to get into the world ranking. We know that Angles, Nagus, Kieti, Centro, Thompson, and Wynn, they all have the standard. So they're top three, they're in. The question is, what about the other athletes? Sam Prakel, Cole Hawker, Eric Avila, Walid Suleiman, Colby Alexander, and David Rubich. Those six athletes are going into this final without the standard. What would they need to run? Now, let me explain this graphic for you. If you're listening, oh, you may want to go wow. over to YouTube. It's a big graphic. I'm going to explain it. There are three situations. First, the first thing we need to talk about is we need to figure out if the 45th best athlete in the world, what their ranking is, how many points they have. Now, I looked at the math. There's some national championships going on. Some movement might happen. The 45th time cutoff is going to be a person with a point ranking points of either 1,213, 1,209, or 1,202. 1,213 being the best, 1,202 being the worst. So we don't know because we have to wait on the rest of the world to finish their races, but the 45th cutoff mark is going to be somewhere around 1,213 points to 1,202 points. And if you look at this, if the cutoff is at the extreme of like the best, 1,213, the six athletes, Avila, Suleiman, Alexander, Ribic, there's no ranking that they could get that's going to be good enough. They just have to run the standard to get in. So they won't mm-hmm. be able to get in on world ranking because it's going to be too hard to get. But Hawker and Prekel, Prekel can get in no matter what he runs. He could get third place and run five minutes, and he'll get in because his ranking's high enough. But Cole Hawker, he's the one that's in a unique situation, and he also could be top three. In the worst-case scenario for him, he needs to run sub-342 and win, run sub-340 and get second, or run sub-340 low and get third. So basically, he needs a 340 or faster race in order to ensure a top-three finish gets him in on world ranking. The rest of the guys, they need, a, they need the standard, so they're not even involved. But you can kind of look at the situation on this graphic. If the cutoff is 1,213 points, he needs to be running in the 340 to 342 range. If it's 1,209 points, he needs to be running 341 to 343 range. And if it's 1,202 points, he could run any time and get it. So mm-hmm. Hawker's in a yeah. decent spot. You have to imagine yeah. we're going to see a 340-type time be top three. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to see a 350. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I think a Villa Suleiman. We saw he go 342.9 tonight. We, just, we did. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't take anything for granted in terms of speed of a fifteen hundred final. It could go. Th- yeah, it could go anywhere. It could go three fifty. It could go three thirty. We just. We just don't know. But you. Yes, you like his odds over everybody else. But the big thing is first, he has to get top three, and yes. it's going to be difficult enough just to get top three because these guys like sharp angles. Yeah, there was a tactical snafu there, putting himself on the rail there with hundred to go. But that seems par for the course with him, and he manages to thrive in that sort of chaos. That Thompson closed really well. Obviously, we talked about Centro, Nagus. For those joining late, those are the people who don't have the standard. So there's another group that obviously yeah. has the standard, and all they need to do is finish top three. Because if this thing goes Centro, Nagus, and Josh Thompson, then Gordon's spreadsheet goes directly into the trash. Yeah. Here is – so we, we got the image here. Here is Craig Engels trying 
to squeeze his way through Ribich and Holt there. And he, I didn't see him touch anybody either, which when you look from this image and maybe he brushed shoulders and I just couldn't see it, but there was, if there was any contact, it was minuscule. And you look at that picture and it seems like the odds of him touching somebody are about 99%. And yet Angles has, again, perfected these squeezing both shoulders together, running really fast and slightly leaning sideways to avoid contact move. He it looks like he's trying. It looks like he's trying to get to the bar first. You know, he's like, "Ooh, happy hour. We gotta get there first because before the crowd gets in." <laughs> I think he's, he's trying to get like, out oh, of the bar. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. Trying to get get through the the crowd. Yeah, that's what it looks this like. This is me at Costco trying to get to the get in line. <laughs> that's that's what I'm doing at Costco every every Sunday when it gets crowded. Any other men's fifteen hundred points that you want to make before we move on? No, it's gonna be good. Uh, I think it's gonna be one of the better fifteen hundred finals we've seen. Because obviously you have the vets, like an Angles and a Centro. Yeah. But the young guys in Nagus and Hawker just kind of yeah. add a little more flavor to that final that we normally we haven't seen in a, in a while, right? We haven't seen a Hawker slash Nagus talent in the, in the college scene since Centro was in college, I feel. I yeah. mean, has there been anyone straight out of college who's been as good as they've been? I don't think so. Since Centro? Yeah. No. No. Uh, no. Right? No. They, they've all been international guys. Yeah. Like a Josh Kerr right. type. Not, yeah. yeah. Not in the uh, US system. Um, here's the thing. If you're a 1500 meter fan, I want you to enjoy this. I want you to take a deep breath and enjoy this because you're getting what you wanted at the beginning of the season. You could complain about, oh, it'd be great if you, know, you had Cooper Tier in there or so, you know, somebody else was more in shape, whatever. But these guys have been through two rounds now. Like, you know Centro is fit. You know Cole Hawker is still fit. You know Engels is still fit. And look at the start list that you're going to have for the last day of competition. Centro, Thompson, Nagus, Hawker, Sieti, Engels, Wynn, Avila, Ribich, Prakel, Sulaiman. You got everybody you wanted, right? You have a guy like Wynn. We said a couple months ago, don't sleep on him. He ran really fast at the Portland Track Festival. He's a great sleeper pick. But you have those, those guys that we've wanted to see. None of them went out in the final. All of them look to be in really good shape. And they're all going to converge for three spots on, on Sunday. And that does not happen all the time in track. So I want the 1,500-meter fans out there. I know you're a 5K fan this year, Gordon. So this is not to you. This is to the 1,500-meter fans out there. Enjoy it on Sunday. Because you got every That didn't happen in the women's 1,500. That did not happen in the women's 1500. It was still a great race, but that's pretty much the opposite of what happened in the women's 1500. The men, all the big players are there. Yep. Next event. 200 times. We've done so many podcasts, man. I feel like we've, yeah. we've done like, how many hours of content have we created? Like, we're on no. like almost, you know, Game of Thrones level number of hours. But. <laughs> All right, we've done do over 300 pods. We've done over 300 pods. That's a lot. That's true. Hours. That's true. Uh, and I've loved every minute of it. Nova I'm sure you have. wants us to talk, ask, have we talked about the 200? We're talking about it right now. So here we go. You joined just in time. Let's start for the women here. After the first round, you could see this trending in one direction, and the direction was fast. But then Thomas and Pranini got even faster. So Gabby Thomas goes 2194. So she goes back-to-back PRs. And Pranini joined the sub-22 club. She goes 21. 99. So we have an amazing final setting up. And I don't think either of these women expected to be running that fast in the first two rounds. 
And they ran hard. I don't want to say that they shut it down with 150 to go, but 2194 and 20, like when you get under, I said it yesterday, when you get under 22, you are in the elite of the elite, which means the team that gets sent is going to be really good because we don't know what all the other women in the world are going to be running. But if you have two women who are capable of sub 22, you have a very solid team. Allison Felix has the third fastest time. And what did Otto Bolden say in the broadcast? He's just, he's like, good luck, Allison Felix and everybody else, because he's basically calling it now. Thomas and Prandini are going to go one, two. I don't think there's any reason to, to disagree with him based on what we've seen in the first two rounds. But then you have this big group there of Felix, Battle, Clark, Bryant, Akinison, and Irby. And I think it's going to be a, a dogfight for that last spot. I mean, I think Felix can pull it off. She's in a position now to make uh, two different Olympic teams. The one upset was Sturgis not making it through. So the NCAA 200-meter champ will not be in the final. Anellis, who was a finalist at the World Championships back in 2019, she didn't make the final either. But you got a really interesting race up front for these top two spots and then a, a, a deep battle for third. Can you imagine what this final would be like if Shakari Richardson was in it? It'd be insane. I can. It would be awesome. But I've also – like the 200 always gets your hopes up, and then not everybody shows up. But yeah. I did not anticipate Prandini and Thomas going off. Like this is amazing to me that they've done this in these first two rounds. Maybe the final drop in times like that, but the fact that they've done it, again, back-to-back days – it's been like Prandini's PR. When, when did her yeah, before this weekend? I think Prandini's PR was 2018. So it's been three years since she runs as fast as she does, and then she does it in back-to-back days. And Thomas's curve is insane right now. Uh, Prandini's curve is is obviously terrific too. But yeah, before this weekend, yeah, June, July 22nd, 2018 was her PB. And then her next fastest time before that was 2015. So you're going deep, 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 deep to find three years. Um, yeah, I guess that's what it is. I guess that's what it is. 2021 has been good to her. So this is, this is far exceeding my expectations in terms of how fast they were going to be and just how compelling the women's two is going to be. We know the men's two was going to be good based on what happened in the hundred. There were some question marks for the women. And these first two rounds have answered a lot of questions already. Do you think what Gabby Thomas is doing right now, running back-to-back sub-22s, is going to be enough to get her on that 4 by one final? Because mm. she did finish fifth in the 100. So do you think they would be willing? Jenny Prandini was fourth. Javane Oliver and Tiana Daniels were second and yeah. third. We do you think get, is Gabby Thomas doing get. enough to take away Oliver's or Daniels' spot? Well, especially if you want a curve person someone who can run that turn. I don't think anybody's running it better right now in the U.S. We're going to have Serenity back on tomorrow. We'll give her a chance to revise her team. We'll do our four-by-one and four-by-four picks again now that we have a little bit more data. But it's a good problem for the U.S. to have, the fact that their their 200 squad features two women who are now sub-22. So I'm excited for that final. Men's 200, first heat. It's all about the first heat. Because you had Curly, you had Noah Lyles, and you had Arian Knighton, who stole the show, ran 20.04. I want to play this bit of sound here, if we could. So before we hit play on it, though, let me let me set it up just so people know. 
the mix zone for this meet. Ordinarily, Gordon and I are there uh, with cameras or Lincoln, if you remember that guy, walking around interviewing. It's all virtual this year. So athletes, selected athletes are on separate interviews, separate Zoom interviews. I haven't seen it personally because I'm in Austin, Texas, the first floor of Gordon's beautiful uh, new house he's renting. But what I imagine is there's little stations and they're spread out, but they're one-on-one interviews and you have to type a question in and get the response. Well, here's how these guys did not know how fast Knighton had run. They did not know that Knighton had not only beaten Noah Lyles, but broken his high school record. Then someone in Noah Lyles' media availability mentions it. Noah Lyles realizes what has happened. And then here is what happened next. I even noticed. <laughs> that is not what happened next. Let's try it again. Here we go. Here we go. Hey, Aaron. You broke my record, bro. I did? Yeah. Uh, what was it? Mine was 09. Yours is 04. Congratulations. <laughs> hey, thank you. <laughs> I <didn't> even noticed. <laughs> so nobody noticed on the track. Nobody in the post-race interview on the track or the PA said anything. They were so locked in that they just got to the interview. And it was mid-interview. I jumped in the night and interview late. I assumed that he knew. I heard that, but I didn't know who was telling it to him. I thought it was a coach or a friend or something. Come to find out. He found out from the person who broke his record or who owned the record before him. Yeah, and we had a mini controversy, controversial controversy internally with our friends over at Mile Split, when they're saying it's technically not a high school record because Knighton is a pro, and I call bullshit. He is a high school <laughs> junior, seventeen years old. He went 20.04. It's a high school record. Mile split is calling it a world U18 best. <laughs> what the hell is – come on. World U18 best? It's a high school national record. Let's it's not both. get it's with both. these semantics. It's, a, it's both. No, it's, it's not – yeah, it is both. But, like, it's a high school record. It's not a world U18 best. It's a high school record. That's what it is. Let's not, let's get, I bet you if we click on that article, I bet you they have like a, a technicality. Let's click on it. Let's see oh, if they man. said Put, it doesn't count as a high school yeah. record. Yeah, here we go. While Knighton is currently a pro with Adidas, he still remains in high school. However, his performances do not count in high school record books. Yes, they do. I mean, someone just made that rule arbitrarily. That yeah. Said that his records you not don't high school count. Well, okay, here's the thing. And someone, he's in high school. Now, the fact that he's a junior just makes it more obvious. I could see if he was a senior and you're saying, well, after they graduate, maybe the record shouldn't count. But yeah, he's a high school student. This is different than NCAA because NCAA, the age range is so vast and so wide, right? That you could say, all right, this person goes pro as a freshman. They're not competing within the NCAA system anymore. We're going to not, we're going to not count their records. But high school generally gives you an idea of an age range. I know there's some extreme exceptions, right? But you know it's generally people between, you know, 14 and 18, 18 and a half, maybe getting into to 19. Whereas college, it's going to be just so much more broad given the vast different circumstances. So, I'm perfectly fine calling it a high school record. He's in high school, he ran f- 
faster than everybody. He's still with his. If you want to go into deeper semantics, he's still with his high school coach. You know, Hobbs Kessler's three thirty four high school record because he hadn't gone pro yet, but he's training with a pro coach and has pro teammates. So I think we could just cut all this and just say high school record Arian Knighton. More importantly, Gordon, he might end up on this team. And I saw he'd be the third youngest American men's track Olympian of all time. Uh, and the youngest since Jim Ryan. And it's in the you 200. Wanna, That's insane. You want to update your men's 200 top three? Who do you have? Who, who's, your, who's, your men's team, who's your men's 200 top three right now? I am, listen, you keep trying to get me to get off of this because of my, my, I'm betting my house on this. I'm still sticking with it. I trust Lyles. He cruised through. He said he was keying off of Curly. That's what he said in the, in the interview. And Curly did not get off to a good start. So I went Lyles, Bednarik, Laird. Look, you can see it there. I'm sticking with Lyles, Bednarik, and Laird. I think Curly clearly has an issue with the curve. And Knighton, I think this is, this is the Spider-Man meme. Knighton 2021 and Lyles 2016. That's what they're pointing at each other, basically. The same thing. So I think Knighton is going to run, and he's going to get fourth uh, in the final here. But I'm going to stick with Lyles and Bednarik and, and Terrence Laird to get that third spot. Okay. Terrence Laird kind of been quiet right now. Isn't it weird that he signed with Adidas, but he's still wearing his LSU kit? What's with that? I don't get that. I don't Can understand you explain that, that to me? either. We got a lot of heated debate now in the – chat about high school record or not let's let's not get bogged down and divided by this folks this is what the problem is with track and field just, someone makes an arbitrary rule and everybody yells about it for a while and usually one of those people is my co-host gordon here the fact is if you go so if you want to go u20 right do we accept u20 is like a legit not if you're record? getting paid apparently it's you're not no U20. no no, I'm no, not, no, no, no. world junior let's just talk about world junior records u20 right he, with the 2004, he ties Ramo Guliev for number two. So Bolt has a record from 04, 1993. Then Bolt ran 1999. Then Bolt ran 2003. And then Guliev, 2004. So that's where Knighton was, or is now. He yeah. was 2011. He was a couple spots down. So he's moved. If you want to throw out high school, throw out U18, just throw him into the, the world junior pool. He's got a couple more years to run world junior marks, by the way. Kevin, just so we're telling our viewers, the list you're looking at on our screen is uh, the 2021 list. Uh, so, yeah, trying I'm to keep about our, all the time. our viewers. I know, but like while you're talking and you see our screen show the 2021 list, you should like cover. You should mention it. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I wasn't looking at that. I'm I'm focused. My lane, my race. Like what Grant Holloway says. That's what I'm. That's what I'm focused on. What did he say today? I came to dance at the party, not stand uh, at the side. Not stand on the wall, which again, I felt attacked as someone who went to many dances and sat on the wall the whole time. Grant, you don't need to make it so so personal. Uh, here's the, is this the all time list? This is the all time list, right? Yep. Okay, there we go. But Put that, that list up. doesn't that that list doesn't include today. Well, okay, who they all saw the? I just said he ran twenty oh four and he's tied with Ram Oguliev. I think people can mentally put that in there. So there it is. He's gonna set a lot of records. It looks like he's gonna be he's gonna be fine. Um, all right. Next race. Next race. Women's eight. Women's eight. Uh, Thing Mo, cool, calm, collected, won the first heat. 
Sage Hurdle fell with 100 to go and collided with Hannah Green. Hannah Green did not qualify, but has since been added, so it's going to be a nine-woman final. In the next heat, Ajay Wilson, 159, just ahead of Kate Grace. So it's hard to tell who looks smoother, who looks better. Wilson talked vaguely in her post-race interview about dealing with issues in the buildup, but she said she didn't want to talk fully about them until the final was over. But yeah, so Hannah Green gets through your pick. Gordon is still alive. How do you feel? I'm not feeling good about my pick. Uh, but hey, OTC finding a way to survive and advance. I saw Ben Blankenship do it from first round to second round. And I see <laughs> yeah. Hannah Green doing it here from second round to third round. Um, but yeah, looking at the way those two semifinals played out, Ajay, a thing. Raven looked pretty good too. And Kate Grace, those four, I feel like, look like the strongest. And I think three of those four will be our team between those three, which makes sense. So you're saying five for three spots? No, four. Four. Okay. A thing, AJ, uh, Raven Rogers, and Kate Grace. Okay. Oh, did I say Chanel Price? I didn't mean to say Chanel Price. I take her off the well, list. Well, no, I I would I would put her in there. Her and Wilson okay. both went. Put sub. her back on the list. <laughs> her and Wilson both went sub sub two. Uh yeah. I thought going in, I was going to say everybody has a chance for that third spot, but there's a clear second tier, or at least a blurring of the line to that you know tier, and then that drop off to that next tier where you had Meyer and and Aikens who ran. 201 i'm you know not anything after 2016 and this race where there was a big old fall and k grace won that race by the way you can always say anything anything can happen but mo and wilson look really solid and i agree with you about grace and rogers has that just patented late kick i think the question is going to be will rogers be in close enough contention with 100 to go to where she can catch people because she still has that kick. It's just staying in contact to use it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because she had a really good final 75. But if she doesn't put in a good opening 725, it's going to be all for naught. Yeah. I just made that yeah. up right now. But you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, put that on the back of a shirt, Gordon. I think I that's on the shirt. new slogan for uh whatever whatever high school uh needs a slogan for for next season the final a good 75 it does has it, it final up. 75 needs a great front 725 yeah. well not even about? great she just got to be solid i think she's got to be solid and try to run off of you know that next group because how do you see how do you see mo and wilson approaching this race cuz the the tactics are going to matter here I think it's going to be fast. I think Mo is going to run as fast as she possibly can. That's really it. I set you up and you say, I think it's going to be fast. And I think Mo's going to run as fast as she can. I agree. I do think she's no, going to run as fast as she can. I, but I think she's just going to be like, hey. You think she's going to want nothing to chance. I'm going to go out. I'm going to try to go out in 58 seconds. And I'm going to try okay. to run 157. I okay. think. I think. The winning time is going to be 157. And so she's going to run some like carnage. Do it. There's going to be carnage. She's going to run like I said, yeah. do it, basically. Okay. All right. 
all right, I could see that. But then don't you think Ajay Wilson would be happy with that because she can just sit right on Mo? Yeah, but I don't think the thing's thinking about pleasing or displeasing Ajay. I think she's thinking the best way to make the team is to get all these fake 159 girls out of the race and run 157. I, I'm, well, I'm the, put it, projecting that onto her by calling them fake 159 girls. But they're real I mean. 159 girls. Well, that's the issue. They're real. They're just you need to be able to run 157 is what you're saying. Yeah. Basically, ma- make it a 157 race in the same way Isaiah Jewett made it a 143 race, and that left everybody yeah. reacting. We didn't even know Isaiah Jewett was a 143 guy, so that's why that was that was such a special run. But Okay, so Ajay Wilson's main focus the last couple of years being able to adapt to a bunch of different racing styles. So that will obviously put it to the test. We've seen her go to the front a lot, but we've also now seen her more be comfortable with with reacting. Um, It would just be interesting with Mo with her first go round going that aggressively. But I agree with you because then it gives her a little bit of margin for a little more margin for error, even if things don't go perfectly the last hundred she'll still be able to maintain because she'll have such a good margin. Agreed. 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 All right. What other events happened today? The men's 110 hurdles happened and it happened like five times in a row because of all the fake, fake false starts, but nothing too crazy out, out of that race. I think, I mean, no big names really got eliminated. I mean, Robert Dunning, uh, from Alabama, he was a DNS. I kind of had him, maybe making the team. He's the NCAA champ. Uh, Trey Cunningham ran well after not having a good NCAAs, ran 13-23, a big PB for Trey Cunningham. Um, And then 400 hurdles. I guess start with the women or men. Did you really not talk about, did you not talk about Grant Holloway? What? What am I supposed to say? You run 13-11? Cool. Like, Grant Holloway, we're not supposed to talk about Grant Holloway running 13-11. Mention the guy who wins. Mention the guy who wins is all I'm saying, or the the woman who wins. Grant's better than to be talked about when he runs 13-11. He's just like – I just thought he looked good. He he looked good, and it's just a reminder of how big the margin is. I don't know. I just thought it was worth mentioning. You're like, and here's the guy who got ninth, and then you don't mention the guy who wins. Well, I mean – Weird approach to it. It's like recapping that Grant Holloway – won his heat in the first round of a three-round race. Doesn't seem like okay. a thing that needs to be said, right? It's so like, let's let's talk about the uh, women's hurdles, formula hurdles then. Uh, eighth, the eighth qualifier, Dianca Bookman. Gordon wants to start there because he doesn't want to talk about the people who were in the front of the pack. So right you know down what that I mean, dude. third tier. Okay. Right down that third tier for me. Uh, okay, so Sydney looked phenomenal. Shut it down way early. Obviously could have run low 53s today we've already seen it run high 52s but 5407 was very impressive little looked really good muhammad looked solid i guess if you had to just pick based on how comfort level you'd go with with sydney there's a clear first tier and there's almost a clear second tier here you could almost simulate the semis we could just fast forward this right to the final and have probably the the first eight there that you see and anybody under 57 seconds moving on I think Tate, Spencer, uh, and Cockrell would be that next group if someone slips up, like if Little or something happens. Uh, Haley looked good, Naima Haley, in that first seat, she ran 55.05. But this was mostly about seeing how healthy Muhammad is. 
and also just how comfortable Sydney and Shamir Little looked. And I think everybody, everybody's fine. I guess we'll use this next round to see just how good they are. But I don't, they're not going to have to work really in the second round either. So this is just going to be a bunch of speculation until we get to the final. Watching the women's 400-meter hurdle first round is like watching LeBron James play against a local YMCA rec league. It's just not real. It's not an actual race. They're just out there jogging. They're sitting, like, can literally do a cartwheel, 10 push-ups, order a cup of coffee, and still have enough time to finish and qualify in the top three. Mm-hmm. There's just such a big drop-off between being a 152 runner and a, fi- not, excuse me, 150, a 52-second a runner and a 57-second runner. Five seconds in a one-lap race is a football field. It's crazy. Not, I mean, it's not actually a football field, but you know what I mean. And, hey, if there's one thing, if I was president of track and field, and uh, they didn't give me my three trials idea. My second idea would be, hey, let's just do straight final for this woman's uh, steeple. I mean, for this woman's 400 hurdles. Straight final. That's all we need. Straight final in the steeple, too. Women's uh, steeple wait. and 400 hurdles, straight finals. Just bring men's the top steeple. eight, top 12. Listen. Okay. And we'll be good. But the men's 400 hurdles is turning into that same thing because the amount of people – yeah, that are all, either getting yeah. disqualified or are hitting hurdles is now eliminating anybody who is potentially going to be in the same frame as Rye Benjamin. So we talked yesterday, Sean Burrell hit a hurdle and went down. Quincy Hall went out. Amir Latin got DQ'd later because he stepped on the the lane. Then today, TJ Holmes, Holmes went out. Go out. Yeah. yeah. So Rye Benjamin again, is standing alone here in the men's 400-meter hurdles. He already was going to have a big margin of victory, and now it's it's getting to be – it's going to be pretty ridiculous. It opens up spots for two other guys. But, yeah, Latin, tough break there, stepping on the, stepping on the line. I mean, Do you think – show, show this, Elon, right there. Oh, you missed it. Yep, there it is. No, he got it. He'll, he'll repeat. Uh, but – don't you think there should be a little bit of No, like, you keep saying this. No, you need to you need to, there's a line there for a reason and on the curve you have to not step on it. That's the rule. Otherwise you could have people stepping it, over it. But I feel like one step is that really change the distance you run? One step? Yes. Yes, because they measure the distance in the lane. So if you don't run in the lane, you're running less distance. Yeah, but it, how, the, the only way works. you No, but here's the thing. If you do one step on the inside lane, you still will run farther than 400 meters because in order to run actually 400 meters, you probably have to have your, your feet on the edge of the line 100% of the time, which never happens. So one step is not all of a sudden you're running 399 meters. You're still running over 400 meters because you're not always on the exact inside of a lane for 100% of the race. So the idea that he ran shorter than everyone else, no, it's not true. He did run shorter. I'm playing there. devil's advocate here. He yeah, did. He did I, mean, I guarantee you, you know, if you take a tracker and you put it on his chest and everyone else, nobody else I guarantee no you, the line, he will not saying. be nobody else is the shortest distance. And you can take that risk and run all the way on the inside and not touch and run exactly 400, or you can run a little bit farther out and run 402.6 or whatever, but – 
the line, as the saying goes, where's the line? This is the line in track and field. It just, it, you can't have a subjective rule with something like this. If you're on a straightaway, it's different. But on the curve, when you're running then less distance, you got to have it. It sucks. It sucks. I want to see Amir Latin in this race. It's unfortunate. But that's the rule. Because now you look at these times. I mean, Rye Benjamin just – what did he say? He was going 65% out there. I mean, Rye Benjamin is a sub-47 guy. And I don't think anybody, you know, in this race is going to be within a second. I mean, if he runs 47-2, you could be – you could see a whole second before somebody else comes across the line. I'm trying to figure out if if 48.5 is 65%, what does that mean 100% would be? He was – I don't think he was, like, literally saying (laughs) – 65. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to do that math. What would it, what would it be? So it's basically, uh, let's round it up. It's two thirds. So he has an extra third of speed. Yes, yes. Okay. All so right, let's keep moving. Though. Is he going to run like moving. a 40 second, hurdle? Is that how it works? I don't know. Maybe, I can't do the math. Maybe. I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, yeah the 400, uh, who, who are you going to take after Benjamin? I Dude, think it's going to be gonna... Kenny Selman. It's good. He was 20, He won one. I think he won or second in a 400 yeah. hurdle at yeah, USA's? Yeah. He had a, yep, yeah. So he he won some stuff this year, and I went away from him because I went with – jeez, did I go with Latin? I don't remember who I had in my initial pick. I know I had Bassett in there who – You had Burrell and the, Bassett. Burrell, oh, sorry, yes, Burrell. But Selman's – because I was like, oh, Selman's PB is not going to be enough to win. Well, now it is because there's no Quincy yeah. Hall, and there's no Amir Latin, and there's no – Sean Burrell or TJ Holmes. So now he is. So I went with a flyer with Bassett from Ashland. He was the last guy in. So I guess I got to stick with him. Kinzira looked really good through nine hurdles and then and then fell apart. But I think we're going to see those top three with maybe Rossier having a chance as well too. But Cameron Samuel looks good and Selman. Selman's been solid all year. Now he just needs to run what he's been running. He doesn't need to do anything superhuman anymore because of all the DNSs and DQs in this event. I'm looking ahead to tomorrow. Is that what we're up to? The, Are you? Do you look at the rundown at all anymore, or just? No, I don't look at the rundown. Okay, I look at the screen. The, so you don't. You don't look at the screen. So when Travis is putting up a photo of a pig, or, you're talking about an elephant, and when yeah, there's a photo of the elephant, you're Travis, talking about the pig. Travis knows how to match. Travis and I have been partners with this for a long time. He knows. He knows how to anticipate my moves and where I'm going. Talk about the discus, Gordon, and then we got to talk about okay. Mo Farah and Wayne Kaladi, and then we're going to preview. Tomorrow, don't take the rundown in a direction it's not supposed to go. Sorry, I apologize. Please forgive me. Men's discus, Mason Finley, Reggie Yeagers, and Sam Mattis all make the team. They all have the standard. Um, They were the favorites. Makes sense that they'll do well up there. They had like a fun fact that Sam Mattis like gave up working on real estate. I'm not real estate. Came up working on Wall Street. To uh, pursue his discus throw Olympic dream, uh, so good for him. He's going to Tokyo, going to Olympics. Hopefully, he comes back and uh, gets into Bitcoin or GameStop or something like that to kind of <laughs> make up for time lost. That's I guess that's what he has to do. But yeah, uh, Finley. I don't really know much about the discus. Hey, it's hard to know everything about all eighteen events. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but okay, the names look familiar. Oh. They were good in college. I recognize the names. 
I think Sam Mattis but, Penn, right? He went to Penn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went to Penn. Yeah, yeah. Put some uh, – if you got questions in the chat, put them in there now. Let's talk about – well, first of all, Wayne Kalati's transfer of allegiance got approved. So we talked yesterday about her being cleared to compete in the meet because she just got her citizenship. But this is another big step because they had to present to Warren Athletics to transfer her allegiance. That's all gone through. As you can see, this was just this week. This was on Wednesday. Wayne Kalati at the uh, U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services building. There's a really good article, if you guys haven't read it, from Adam Kilgore of the Washington Post. Breaks down the whole story. Uh, it was a bureaucratic marathon, to say the least, but she'll be on the line, and if she finishes in the top three, she will be able to compete because War Athletics has approved for her transfer of allegiance. So good news for Wayne Kalati and just a great story like you outlined yesterday, Gordon. Yeah, you see there... Uh, I guess getting sworn in. I'm guessing she probably said the Pledge of Allegiance. Do you remember the last time you've said the Pledge of Allegiance? And do you remember it? I do remember the Pledge of Allegiance. I don't remember the last time. Well, I used to work in uh, high school, so I'm going to say 2017 is the last time I said it. But yeah, she had to take the citizenship ship test. Excuse me. Uh, she had to. The issue was the pay, the fingerprints were in D.C. and they needed to get to Albuquerque or Albuquerque and they needed to get D.C. Uh, her lawyer was a guy, Joe Franklin, her New Mexico coach, met when he was coaching at Butler, and the guy ran for Indiana, I believe. There's all these crazy uh, coincidences, and they got senators involved. Long story short, she will be on the start line in the morning because it's going to be a morning race. because It's going to be hot this weekend, and it's super, super uh, exciting to see her actually Wait, get out. Wait, so this photo, is that photo from today? Uh, they said Wednesday was. I mean, they, okay. they might have posted today, but I, but the the Kilgore story said Wednesday was when she was doing the the test. So I don't know what the process is between the test and the the the, the official paperwork and the swearing. But so I was thinking, yeah, if this, this photo was taken yesterday, she just literally just arrived in Eugene, right? Like yeah, I'm, just got I mean, hopped on a flight from Albuquerque. You hear about these. Okay. Okay. So Alon, our producer, tells us Alon, you should turn your mic on, Alon, so you can say this. Uh, they, <laughs> you take the test, and then if you pass, they swear you in. Like a day later, Alon, two days later. So now everybody can hear me. Um, I had okay, to take cool. this in 2014. Uh, they schedule you in to go take a test and an interview. Once you pass the test, they then schedule you to come in and get sworn in. It can be either like a day or a week. Uh, it depends on however their schedule works. And I'm sure they fast-tracked it for her because they're like, yo, we got to get her in the Olympic trials. She could make the team. But Producer Alon makes his debut. Round of applause, everybody what? out there. Yeah, well, I want to know. You, you took the test. Can what's you replace like Gordon? What's Can one of the questions? Gordon, like full-time, Alon? What's, like an example, what's an example question on the citizenship test? Uh, the hardest question I got was what year was the Constitution ratified? Gordon, do you know? Is it, I mean, the only date I know is 1776. So, but that doesn't make sense. That's declaration, deported. That's declaration of independence. Deported. So. It's 1787, scrub. It, oh, I was going to say 1787. 1787. I was called him a scrub. Deported. <laughs> deported, get out. Wow. More Alon on the pod. More Alon. Okay. Can you so name you like go. every president? Is that like a thing you have to know? Like memorize the order of the presidents or something like that? Uh, I 
I studied up like I overstudied for it. I knew even like state flowers and stuff, but they never asked me about any of that. Damn. State flowers. Yeah, okay. State flowers. There we go. We're What's the Texas state flower? About... It's the blue bonnet, uh, it's right? The, the purple one, right? What's it called? Blue bell? Blue bonnet? Blue bonnet, yeah. I think. It's blue though, right? Yeah. I mean, you can – I think I've – I had to take a similar thing for teaching. It wasn't the – it was something where it was like basic, basic civics. And there's a, it's an, there's an amazing amount of things that you don't know that you think that you should yeah. know. So – Again, anyway. congrats to her. Very excited to see her race. Uh, man, now the chat, we're just, everybody's talking about like citizenship process in here. This is, this is taking a turn. Okay, uh, Mo Farah. Mo Farah, Gordon. He had one last chance to get the Olympic standard in the 10K to come back to try to get another gold medal and defend his title. He missed it. He ran 27-47. So we may have seen the last of Mo Farah on the track. This is something I did not think would be an issue. I thought obviously getting a medal would be really hard. Getting a gold would be extremely hard, but I never really thought that he wouldn't be able to get the standard. Does this surprise you? What time did he run? 2747. Would that have qualified in 2016? Let's see. That's uh, a big takeaway. Yeah. 28 flat was the Olympic standard in 2016. Okay. So that's the big factor. Like they made the Olympic standard so much harder uh, this this time around that to be to get an Olympic standard, you have to be super super fit, especially in the ten k because they don't want a big field because they want to do a straight final. I think so. Mm -hmm. I think that's basically what did him in. If if his career was just like shifted four years in the past, and he was trying to at old age trying to make the twenty sixteen Olympics after winning all of his medals, he it would have been a lot easier, obviously. So he's just kind of a casualty of the change of standarding of the Olympics. Change of standarding. Interesting. Interesting mm -hmm. there. Uh, we got some comments in the chat. They still want to talk about the Jamaican trials, Gordon. I saw. Oh, yeah. Well, semis, are we getting the finals tonight? Because semis, Sharika Jackson dropped the 1077. So the year the women's 100 continues. I think we're going to go. Um, I think we're going to do more have, Do we have results anywhere? Week. Do we have results well, anywhere? Look, I don't, I don't even just, know where to I'm look. Just, I'm just searching on uh, Twitter. JamaicaTrials.com? No, I just typed in I just I typed in Jamaican Trials. Actually, something just popped up. The 1077 popped up on my screen right now. So, let, next we're going to we're going to break it all down next week. It's not like we're not going to do shows next week. That's what I'm saying. Okay. What else? Uh, wind legal. Uh, Someone wants to know, was it wind legal? Yeah, plus 0.9 for Jackson. Uh, Williams ooh. was 11.02. Kevin Nelson was 11.06. So Gordon will find a lot. It's of like hey. is Fraser Price like clinched? I guess. I I don't know. Someone in the chat, help us out here. We've been way too focused. Oh, the finals are coming soon. So this is going to be outdated <laughs> in like an hour by the time this gets posted. Okay. But the folks on so YouTube, so we'll save it for maybe we can talk about Shelly it with. Where shall we talk about it with gonna... Serenity tomorrow? We'll be fine. Yes. Yeah, Sorry, guy. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll be we'll be on it tomorrow and the next day. Uh, death heat. I want to talk. There's only one death heat tomorrow. The men's 200 prelims, second round. Let's bring it up. Mm. Ooh, who's in that? Get ready. Here we go. Men's semi. It's all the way at the bottom. Travis. Boom. The death heat is heat two. You got Laird. You got Knighton and Lyles. 
All in the same heat. And then one, you got Curly Bednarik. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be another race for Noah Lyles to – he didn't have many 200s under his belt this year. He really hasn't run that many of them. So I think he's counting on getting pushed in these rounds. So I think he certainly, certainly will have that again. So you don't have any death heats in the – let's see what's left. Men's high hurdles? No. Men's four-meter hurdles? Well, that'll be a final for the men's four-meter hurdles. And then women's 10K in the morning. Do you want to you want to uh, uh, revise any of your predictions? I guess women's four hundred meter hurdles has a little bit of a, a death. Little <laughs> Muhammad Spencer Cockrell all in the same heat. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that a is... little bit. That's that's a little deathly. And then just McLaughlin <laughs> in the other heat. That's Ooh, actually that's that the bigger heat. death. Which one? Oh, the, the heat two of four hundred hurdles. Yeah. Yeah. Little. Muhammad, Spencer, Cockrell. Yeah. Well, you get like Haley ran really well. She was second to Sydney in that heat and she ran 55-0. So then, like, so she was like the number two seed essentially. Like she ran the second fastest time. So, but she's not one of the big, the big names there. Okay. I'm seeing Shelly Ann ran. Someone in the chat put this. Anthony... Elaine and Shelly jog 1083. But then Ooh. someone says 1084. Oh, Elaine 1082, Fraser Price 1084. Jamaica's going to send a team. It's going to be amazing. The women's 100 is going to be awesome at the Olympic Games. It's going to be great. I'm really excited. Do you think Jamaican women might smoke us in the 4 by one Yeah, there's a chance. I think there's always going a chance to. that Jamaican women are going to smoke I think this might be because – because a lot of times uh, it's like the Jamaican men smoking the men and then the U.S. women smoking everyone else. Maybe we see like a little inverse there where all of a sudden did you, did you the watch men four by one dominate and then the I know women. You weren't at the, what? I know you weren't, I know I you weren't at the 2019. Do you know what happened? <laughs> I forget, to be honest, man. It was a long time ago. Well, it just – the Jamaican men have not been as good, right? Yeah. Like find, find the – go through the world list and – find the top four Jamaican times and then you'll, and then you'll wonder why they're having such issues here to put any resistance up against the, the U S but on the flip side, the women are super solid and Thompson hurrah running well and Jackson running well in combination with Fraser price PRing is, is insane. But yeah, the men, the men got the win in 2019, the U S men got the win in 2019 uh, and they look pretty, pretty good doing it like with young, with young pieces, right? So, yeah. Uh, you want to say one last thing? What was the last thing you want to talk about? Oh, tomorrow's 10K? 10K, I guess? Oh, I just want to, I want to know if you want to change any picks or anything. But if not, we don't, we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. Who did I pick in my 10K? Let's bring, scroll that up. Bring that up. Women's 10K. What do we got? I went. Schweizer, Craney, Schneider. So basically the 5K. And Not for bad. the record, I would have I would have put Cranny in the 5K, but I put her in the 15 because you know how this goes. People don't declare normally and it's all weird. So I still get credit yeah. for picking Cranny. <laughs> That's how it works. Don't sleep on don't sleep on Kaladi. Don't sleep on Kaladi. That'll be a fun one. All right. So we'll be back to what's the start time tomorrow? The final event tomorrow is 7:51 Pacific time. 
So that's, we'll be starting at about 10 o'clock, 8 Pacific. So 10 p.m. Central, 11 p.m. on the East Coast. We'll have Serenity back again by popular demand to break down the sprints. By that point, the 10K will have been 12 hours old because they're running it in the morning. So we'll have a lot of practice talking about the 10K, but we got all those finals tomorrow in the men's high hurdles, the women's two, the men's formula hurdles, also women's long jump, women's pole vault, javelin, and hammer throw. But we'll leave it there for tonight. Thank you to Alon for producing and some expert insight too that he gave us. Thanks to Travis also for producing. Subscribe to the Flow Track podcast. Come back and join us tomorrow for the penultimate day of track and field at the US Olympic Trials. See you then.